This is the worst Baylor football team I've ever seen. This is the Locked On Baylor postgame show. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. Um, thank you for coming a little early with me in the postgame show. Um, six minutes left in the football game. I thought, no real reason to wait for this one. I've got my future in-laws in town. They're cooking dinner right now. Can have some people over. So I'm like, nah, let's not play this close. Um, this game is over. It's an embarrassment again. and. I just don't know what is left to say. I don't know what's left to say. This team is horrible. And, and just in all phases of the game, um, it's even tough for me to say the effort wasn't there today because it's the same effort we see all the time. You know, I, I can't even tell if it's better or worse, to be totally honest with you. When it's 52 to 19 with six minutes left in the game, which it was the same with 17 minutes left in the game. So give him some credit, I guess. Uh, it's just tough to tell the effort level. Um, but effort or not, they just suck. They suck. This is the worst team that I've seen, and I've seen a one win and a two win. Um, and I guess I'll give a little credit to that 2020 team that went two and seven. If they had a non-conference schedule, they might have won a few more. Um, but it, it has to it has to be the worst since... In, in 20 years. I mean, it has to be. Maybe since the very end of Guy Morris. I'll Maybe I'll give you that. But this is just dreadful. And Blake Shapin's out there running for his life today, trying desperately to get the team back in the game. It, it's, and it was so predictable, too. Like, I... I couldn't even, yesterday's show, I couldn't think of a positive turn to think of how Baylor's going to win this game. I try, I, Lord knows I try every week. Because a lot of the times I usually do talk myself into it. Nothing this week. Nothing. And honestly, a serious football program would not have the head coach get on the plane home. A serious football program would not have him take the podium on Monday. And a serious football program would not have Dave Aranda coaching them next Saturday. Of course, all of those things are going to happen. He's going to be at all of them because we are such an unserious football program. D-E-D dead. Dead as a doornail. Another drop. Um, with no direction and really no light at the end of the tunnel here. I I, I find it real. I, I really struggle to find it. And I still don't think they'll fire the coach by the end of the season, but they really should. If they've got the money, it's time to get out ahead of this thing. Get out ahead of the coaching search, the luxury that you didn't have the last time because Matt Rule leaves after the bowl game. Um, because, I mean, who knows? I'm, right now, Michigan State is a job. That's a fumble recovered by Kansas State. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Easy. Um who knows what's going to open up right now? Michigan State is is the preeminent job that was open by the end of September. That's that's the one that's open. That's a better job than you. Um, but who knows? Texas A&M, that might open up. There's a real chance that opens up. Um, shoot, even Minnesota is going to open up. And I don't know, 
you, you might be a more attractive job at the University of Minnesota than it is at Baylor right now. This is an absolute train wreck. Um, it it just it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. I'm not even going to preface it this week with the with how I feel about Dave personally. It's done. It's over. This is sad, pathetic. It's an absolute funeral march, and I, I, I'm just I'm out of words. I I don't know what else to say about this team. Good news today, you can see on YouTube. I did finally get the crew neck, the crew neck, which I've been looking for for years. Um, Baylor's first string offense can't score a point against K State scrubs. That's true, Chuck. That in the in the live comment section, Kansas State's. Um, twos have been in there on defense since about i don't know uh three minutes left in the third quarter and baylor hasn't been able to move the ball at all not just score chuck they haven't been able to move the damn football and they turned it over again against these guys this is just so embarrassing man oh how many sacks today i gotta pull this up i should have had this pulled up Oof. Oof. Only three sacks, but I mean, how many times has he just been running for his life? Eight tackles for loss for Kansas State. Oh, that's that's another touchdown, if you can believe that. I said it's going to hit different when they go over 70. They're about to go up. They're about to go to 59 right now. And again, that's the second time this game. It makes me think of the first touchdown where it was a wheel route from the 17 and nobody had a shot at the guy until he got to the goal line. This is from the 28, and one guy has a hand on him before he's hitting the end zone. That is so beyond embarrassing. And by the way, this is the backups for Kansas State. I did see it looked like some twos in there for Baylor, but at this point, who cares? This, this is just so pathetic. And this is what I said leading up to the game, and that usually when you are really bad, your worst loss isn't going to come against the best team on your schedule. I don't know the science behind it. It's just not usually how it goes. I think back to 2017, I'll use that example. They lose to OU by seven. They lost to Oklahoma State by like 50. I think it was actually 43. That's exactly what's going to happen today. But this team, to show just how bad they freaking are, they lost to the best team on their schedule by 32. And now we'll lose to Kansas State by 40 plus. It's, it's, Beyond the pale, man. And I know 2017 was bad, but they already had, the 2017 team already had a better, <laughs> uh, I guess, scoring margin in their losses. They lost games by an average of 15. This team, Baylor team coming into this, was losing games by 18 points. And that's before today. Before today. Where else do you go? And it sucks this didn't happen two years ago when you had some good head coaching candidates out there. How long have you been a Baylor fan for? Since 2019, this is the real Baylor, my friend. I'm sorry. I, H. Sizzle, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. To answer your question, yeah, it's not as long as some other people. 2014 was the first season I was tuned in. I started college there in 2015. Um but since 2019, they have been to two Big 12 championship games, two Sugar Bowls, and they've won one of each. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about, that this is the real Baylor. Since 2019, what on earth are you talking about? 
And if you are, if you just suck at punctuation and you meant to say that before the Bryles era, this was the real Baylor, part of that is true. Yes. But you have to curb the expectations here. You have to adjust the goalposts here. Yes, they sucked for decades, but they, but we have seen what they can do. They've gone to four BCS bowl games in the last decade. And you're here to tell me, well, this is how it should be. Cut the crap, man. That, that That's done. The Big 12 and the money that's coming in and the facilities they have and the names they can pull. Give me a break. Miss me with that. This is not, this is not 1997. We're done with that. And I'm so sick of these fans saying that crap. And granted, it is the minority now of, oh, you don't know how bad it can be. Well, we, we need to aim to not get back to that. We need to not get back to that. It's almost impossible for the run we've had in the last decade to get back to that, and we're getting back to that. <laughs> this is how it's been since 2019. Give me a break. <sighs> they cannot run the staff back next year. We get blown out against average Big 12 teams. That's right. That's right. H. Sizzle, you have not made sense in any comment. I'm not, I'm not doing this. That was clearly a little tongue-in-cheek. I, I don't know what to tell you. Can't win home games against FBS teams, yeah, but they still have a winning record on the road. <laughs> if, if that counts for anything. Uh, so looking at some of the names, I, I mentioned before that horrendous comment there um, that it's not the, the crop of young coaches that we saw a few years ago. It's not like nailed on, this guy's going to get the big head coaching job. So uh, G.J. Kinney is a good name. One year in, in FBS, obviously has a lot of Baylor ties and did well at McLean Stadium this year. Um, Jeff Trailer still the number one name for me. They're not getting the hype they did two, three years ago, but UTSA is a damn good football team again, undefeated in the conference. Um, and a guy who, again, you know, he turns down Tech two years ago and Tech ends up going with Joey McGuire. But I think he's probably thinking, uh, I've probably done what I can here at UTSA. Um, I've, I've cashed in here at UTSA. Now maybe it's the right time. And obviously Baylor, like Tech, very similar in terms of their resources and and the kind of caliber player that they recruit. So I think Jeff Trailer is very much on the table. Now, personally, as we sit right now in November, watching how much of a train wreck these last two seasons have been uh, with a slam dunk higher at the time and Dave Aranda, who was a defensive coordinator coming in the way I sit right now, I'm thinking I got to have a head coach. I got to have a head coach the way we did with Matt rule. Again, hindsight is 2020. Dave Aranda was the slam dunk hire at the time, defensive coordinator of the national champion. That's a guy who's ready to become a head coach and it hasn't worked out. And so now I'm thinking we need a head coach. And I was thinking about the rule hire the other day. We were all a little surprised with the Matt Rule hire. And in hindsight, we shouldn't have been, right? He completely turns around Temple. They have two 10-win seasons at Temple, which is about as many as they had in their whole history before he got there. That was a slam dunk. That's the guy who needs to take over your program. But there were such good names that year. It was such a good cycle. P.J. Fleck, Sonny Dykes, Tom Herman. There were great head coaching candidates. And that year, you don't have that this year. And obviously, Tulane's been the great story of the last two years. 
Willie Fritz is 60-plus years old. JMU, great story the last two years. Undefeated team. I don't even know if he, not that Baylor is a better job in the long run than JMU is, but at this point he might say, well, I might wait a year and take the Florida job or, or something like that or the A&M job. And I'm, I don't want to, maybe I don't want to do this Baylor thing. I can, I can play my cards right and get a, a hell of a job. Or, or by the way, someone who is a young, hungry head coach who's a big coaching candidate is going to say, I might want the Michigan job. Even if Harbaugh isn't fired, he might leave on his own. He's been hired. He's been talking to NFL teams after every offseason. So I did dip into the coordinator pool for the first time this season, looking at it today, and two names stuck out to me. First off, let's stick in Ann Arbor. Jesse Minter, defensive coordinator for Michigan. They have been unbelievable defensively the last three years. Um, this year, they are number one in the nation in total defense. And by the way, their offensive coordinator, who filled in today for Jim Harbaugh, who swore on live TV, that's a guy who's going to get some looks too. But to me, this is a young kid, Jesse Minter. He's 40. Um, he has not been a head coach yet, but he, <laughs> I mean, he's done it at every level. Um, GA at both Notre Dame and Cincinnati, um, and a defensive assistant under John Harbaugh, um, and the defensive backs coach for John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens. And two years now as the defensive coordinator at Michigan and was an interim head coach earlier this year for Michigan. Um, <laughs> that is a that is a slam dunk to me. They've been top five, I believe, in total defense the last two years. Obviously, like I said, number one this year. That's a young guy who has really proven himself at this level, who is hungry for a job. Jesse Minter. That's the first one. Second one, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball again, and I'm going to go to a team that beat Michigan in the playoffs two seasons ago. Glenn Schumann at Georgia. Oh, boy. Is this the resume that's going to get you salivating? Okay. Glenn Schumann. So the, the downside, and we heard this a ton, especially with the rule hire, not so much with the Aranda hire. Downside of Jesse Minter, no Texas ties. Okay. We've seen the blueprint. Rule did it. He hired Texas people. He got Texas kids in the door. It led to success. Okay. Glenn Schumann, first ever graduating class at McKinney Boyd High School. Bang. Perfect. Perfect. By the way, Minter's dad coached in the NFL, and uh, Schumann's dad has been an AD all over the place. Um, he's coming out of McKinney Boyd, so a Texas guy. Played his high school football in Texas. And let me tell you just a little bit about this resume. He played at Alabama and then uh, was a GA assistant coach at Alabama for six years. And then the inside linebackers coach under Kirby Smart when Kirby left for Georgia. And he has been the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia since 2019. Georgia's been on a pretty good run since 2019. And Alabama had a pretty good stretch in the times that he was there. Uh, Georgia, obviously, back-to-back -back national champions. So when you look at the jewelry box for Glenn Schumann, count them. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six, six national championship rings. Six of them. He can't even fit them all on one hand. National championship rings. Coaching under, playing under, and coaching under Nick Saban and coaching under Kirby Smart. By the way, coached under Mel Tucker, too. 
So look out for that at Michigan State. Um, hopefully that means he's turning down Michigan State. I would hope. But, I mean, come on. He's got to be one of the, I mean, he is one of the top assistants in the country. That has got to be a guy looking for a job. 33 years old. You want a young guy with some energy who knows how to coach some damn good football and knows how to recruit? Both of those guys are slam dunks to me. That's the theory of, t- that's the, the buzzword of today's episode, the slam dunks. Let's talk about this game a little bit more before we go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be in here too much longer. Um, but the stats are really not, not even that damning on the Baylor side, which doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, the score, they are down by 40 points that I don't care how bad the stats look. I mean, uh, Kansas state has more than a hundred total yards, um, killed them on the ground. I know. Stop me. If you've heard that one before 174 yards on the ground, uh, for Kansas state, as opposed to yet another game where Baylor cannot get over a hundred on the ground with just 85, 22 to 19 in first downs. Third downs, three of 16 for Baylor, which is putrid, uh, and only four of 12 for Kansas State. And Baylor has had to go for it on fourth down eight times today. They average about five of those a game because they suck so hard. Less than three yards a rush. But Kansas State, less than five yards a rush, which is pretty good. Pretty good for Baylor. I mentioned earlier, just three sacks allowed, but again, Shapin's been running all over the place. And how about this for the damning stat? Turnovers, Kansas State, zero. Zero points off them. Baylor, four turnovers, 21 points off them. Offense, defense, definitely special teams. None of them were good enough today. None of them have been good enough all season. This is as bad as it's been in 20 years for Baylor, which is saying a lot. This is horrible, just just horrible. And I don't know how you let the guys and the coaching staff stick around. I just don't know how you do it. If you have the money for the buyout, it's got to happen now. It's got to. And go out and get Jesse Minter or Glenn Schumann, please, Lord. Because honestly, I think that might be better than any of the head coaching candidates you're going at. Marshall stinks. They're four and five. The two-lane guy's too old. Nothing against old people. He's too old for this job. G.J. Kinney's done it one year. Jeff Trailer, that's a good pick. Is this a Baylor touchdown? No, of course not. Of course not. Anyway, who do you guys want? As the next head coach, I'd love to see it in the comments. Please like and subscribe and comment that. Who do you want to be as the next head coach at Baylor? Because it's going to be soon, and you got to get ahead of this search. Don't want to see them burned again for waiting too long. Anyway, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for tuning in live on YouTube or listening wherever you get podcasts. Remember, Locked on Baylor is the only place that you get exclusively Baylor content every day. And just about seven days a week now, Uh, We've got basketball going on tomorrow, so Monday I will have a full breakdown of this game and then a little bit on the basketball game as well, I presume. Um, Or maybe we'll talk about that on Tuesday because we've got a big basketball doubleheader on Tuesday. Women face number five, Utah, and then the men play somebody. Wicked late, like 9 o'clock. Kansas City? Is that it? Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Tuning in. Love you guys. We'll see you on Monday. This has been, always will be, Your favorite. I should stop saying that. That was a Drake thing.
Locked on Baylor.